are listening to the MX Vice Insight Podcast, presented by Liat and Prox Racing Parts. One-on-one interviews with riders, team managers, and industry personalities. Welcome to another episode of the MX Vice Insight Podcast on the MX Vice Podcast Network, presented by Liat and Prox Racing Parts. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve year after year. The 2022 gear is now available worldwide and there are many lines for you to consider. The 3.5 ride kit, the 4.5 jersey and pants, the 4.5 enduro jersey and pants, and the 5.5 jersey and pants. There is an advanced range of moto helmets for 2022 too, including the 9.5 carbon, 8.5 composite, the 7.5, and 3.5. The Liat helmets are available in a broad range of striking colors to suit all tastes. The 9.5, 8.5, and 7.5 helmets also come with a free pair of bulletproof velocity goggles. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on liat.com. And of course, Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. And our guest this week is a man who can vouch for both Leah and Prox Racing Parts. It's four-time GP winner, trainer at FNH Racing, author now, king of the sand, it's Mark DeRuva. How's it going, mate? <laughs> hey, that, that hurt a little bit. Four-time GP winner. Well, do you want me to say 20 times? We oh. can just make it up if you want. No, it's okay. Like that, it's the truth. <laughs> one, two, five, MX2 and MX1. That's a nice, that's a nice group of classes, at least. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It's not too bad, but okay. should have been a lot more Lewis. But... Well, we're go- we maybe we'll get into that tonight, and if we don't, we definitely yeah. need to do a podcast about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, speaking of that, you've got a book obviously out now where you go into all of that, and I hear that it's selling insanely well in the Netherlands. Uh, well, the the first press—I don't know how you say that—the first first release is is sold out. Yep. And uh, well, yeah. So I'm really happy with that. They're making a second uh, press, so I don't know how you say this in English. And um, yeah, it's good. So it's only the Dutch version until now. In March 2022, 20, um, we have the, the the English version. So I hope that will sell also good then. Has, this, has the book actually got like all of your stories? Like, do you feel like you could do another book with even more stories, or does this one book cover everything? <laughs> well, the main the main stories are in the main stories and how about my um, yeah about my life and about the career and what went wrong and what went what went good. But we can fill another book with some some good stories. Yes. Oh, that's nice. Well, March 2022, then, the English version drops, so a lot of people listening to this can look forward to that one. And I guess they'll be able to order it quite soon as well. I think you can pre-order the English one now, can't you? Yeah, you, you can pre-order the English one on markderuver.nl, and then you just uh, press for the uh, click for the, for the English version, and then you can pre-order it, yes. Okay, well, everyone, go and do that when you finish listening to this podcast, which may be emotional. I'm not sure what way this is going to go, but we'll, we'll see. Um, obviously, the GP's finished uh, three weeks ago now, two weeks ago. Um, how busy have you been? Obviously, we've seen that Horgmo and Beaton have both been riding, so 
have you been flat out at practice tracks or has it been a bit um, of a chilled start? Well, what the, the thing I like is, is the guys are, you know, they're still race fit and they're pretty okay at the moment still. So uh, that's why we, we continue riding. I mean, Kevin, he needs to get used to a, a Japanese bike. He never put a, a bike pipe. So yeah. um, that's, yeah, that's used to the 450. It's just a stock 450 with some uh, with a pipe and, and suspension, but it doesn't matter. It's just to, to make hours. Then um, end of week, Jet will leave to Australia because he didn't uh, didn't go to Australia for like two two years now. So I for him to go home. Kevin stays here a little here a little bit to uh, get used to the physical program. Uh, and then in January we go to Sardinia. And then flat out until Matali. If we start in February, that will be yeah the shortest off season ever. Well, yeah, but I, I cannot believe... Uh, well, I, I hope it will start, but I cannot on this moment believe that, that we start in February, so... But you're going to plan for that, right? Like, you're not going to... Of course, of course. I, I, I of course, plan that, that we start in Metley, of course. But everybody do that, and then if not, well, that has, has more time for the 450. And, uh, Kevin has also more uh, more time to adapt to my training program because Jet knows it a little bit, of course, yeah. in 2018. So we um, let's start with that. So obviously you have signed uh, Jed Beaton on a 450 for next year, Kevin Hawkmo uh, in MX2 for next year. You had three MX2 riders this year. You're obviously going one in each class for next year. Um, first of all, why did you decide to go into the 450s and why Jed? Because obviously you could have had all of your old riders. You could have had Jacoby. You could have had Sterry. Like there's a long list there. So why 450 and why Jed specifically? What? Well, if you if we wanted, or we wanted, and if if FNH wanted, we could fill uh, three trucks with MSCP riders. <laughs> <laughs> and they yeah, don't ride for free as well. In, in, that's what I mean. But it's it's absolutely chaos in that class. Um, yeah, why? Yeah, you know, uh, I worked already with him in 2018, and he's one of my favorite riders I worked with, and because of his attitude. Um, yeah, Jet comes for racing it, and I think that's important. Um, yeah, also our team of Hari Fas has a really good, um, <clears throat> really good relation with with, with and uh, also his son Brian, and that's um, yeah, that's why this decision has been made. I think. Is it um, is it an easy thing for you to do? Like, were Kawasaki like, yeah, sure. We'll give you a 450, no. go and do it. Or was it quite hard for you to get everyone on board? Or are we now starting no, to get a little interested? <laughs> no, it didn't go like that. It didn't go like that. You are uh, you are right. There has to be there has to, uh, a space for Jet yeah. to fit in the MSG Pro, MSGP program. Because, you know, in the MSG factory, Saki has two riders already. And well, and we, we, we are an MX2 team and we reduced from three riders to two riders. So yeah, had some trouble, but in the end, everybody's on board. You know, the MXTP class is in the end the main class. And I think Kawasaki will have three, three good riders in it. That's good for them. And uh, well, yeah, why Kevin in MX2? I feel like Kevin's a good guy for you because I feel like he'll listen to you. Uh, he'll... Whatever you say, whether it's crazy or normal, he'll be like, okay, I'll try that. Like, he's a bit of an open book, like a blank canvas. You can make him into what you kind of want him to be. Well, 
You know, I follow Kevin already for a long, long time also, because in the one to five, he was in the top three. In the EMAX, he was top three. And um, um, I think he's a really good rider, but he's in the wrong place in the wrong time. And um, um, if you see nowadays the H2 class, you need to also select a rider on his weight. And uh, Kevin weighs 65 kilo. So this is a big help for us also in the start, you know, because until to don't understand if, if, if in, in both classes, you need to start. If you don't have to start, you're gone. And um, I think with Kevin, we can take a good start. And uh, I think Kevin, from what I saw now, that like you said, he can still learn a lot. And I think uh, we can push him, we can push him in the way. And um, maybe we surprise some people. Do you want to talk about some of the MX2, other MX2 riders you looked at for the spot? Or anyone that interested you? Anyone that you maybe thought about signing? Or was it all Kevin um, all the time? No, it's, uh, the, the Kevin also. We had also Rick and Duffy on our list. But uh, the, the Australian kid. But yeah, he had a really, really big crash just before he wanted to come to us. And, um, well, he's still on the wish list for, for now, Regan, but Regan, uh, he needs to heal up. He had a, a tremendous, insane crash, and it takes a lot of time for him to heal up still. So, uh, there's still the door open for him. And I can, I'm going to tell you something now, Lou. How do I, uh, after my experience, how do I select riders? First is <coughs> the weight. <Yeah. laughs> That's one thing for MX2. The parents. Are they okay? The people around Kevin, are they okay? Um, it needs to be a package, you know, because other things, too much trouble. Don't want that anymore. I guess, um, quickly, actually, on Regan, from what, yeah, you say the door's open, I guess um, that is how you've left it with him. Like, if he ever wants to do GPs, if he's ever healthy enough, if he's ever ready, then you'll have a bike for him. Because, yeah, that was your plan, but obviously it's a, it sucks what happened to him, but also it's great that he appears to be on the other side and he will recover, it seems like. So, the thing is, Lewis, like, it was only, he was only two weeks away from coming to us or something. Yeah. It was really close. He, I want to sign in one or two days after the crash, but the crash was severe. He almost died. It was a little bit less, a little bit more severe than the, the, the press release said. So, we are we are really happy that the Regan alive and, um, 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 well, he, it's an injury on his heart, so he needs to be really calm on the moment. And yes, the door is still open. We promised, but well, we, uh, our team boss and our team manager, Natalie Fosse, promised them that the door is open for him if he recovers and if he still wants to ride motocross. That's, yeah, that's the right way to do it. And like you went through injuries yourself, so you can kind of sympathize, can't you? Like the. It's yeah. nice when you hit rock bottom, it's nice to have someone there who says, you know what, on the other side, we'll be there waiting for you. Because I'm sure in your career, you went through plenty of times where you got injured and people went, okay, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know this feeling really well. So, so you mentioned um, your little list when it comes to signing new MX2 riders. How hard is it to mm -hmm. find riders who have the right balance of parents, uh, entourage. Obviously, in a perfect world, every team would just get a rider and there would be no parents, there would be no entourage, there would be none of that. But 
that's just never going to work. So how hard is it to find that perfect rider? And what do you do to like figure that out? Do you speak to people in the paddock and say like, is this parent terrible? Is it, have you ever worked with, like spoken to this guy or how do you mm. figure that out? Now, of course, you know, when you have a ride uh, inside, you really would like to have, you already start to look at that, you know, a little bit from a Sherlock Holmes way, you know, you're going to observate a little bit and see what happens on the track, how we behave, what we do, things like that, you know, and um, yeah, that's how it works a little bit. Uh, I watch the Instagram, <laughs> it's for me really important, you know, because the window to the rider also, yeah. because if, if they have a bad race, I'm going to see what they write. Is it their fault? Or is it always somebody else's fault? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but you're big on that. And you that, hate You hate nothing more than when someone goes 10-10 and they put, good day at the office, luck wasn't on my side. Mate, I get diarrhea from that, I swear. <laughs> it's not possible, man. But that, about that, we can talk a little bit later because... <clears throat> this is also a big part, but it's also a little bit the fault of the media and also the social media uh, that makes those riders think that they're superstars. That's a big problem on the moment. Yeah. And you, you, need, you want someone who finishes fourth and goes, that wasn't good enough because you want to see that drive, don't you? Because otherwise, how can you work with them? If they're going to go, oh, 10th is amazing, then you're like, well, Okay, but how do we go forward? If they go, yeah, fourth was good, but I want a podium, then you're like, right, let's get to work. I've seen a post of Roman Faber. I think it was from Trentino. I think the second Trentino, he just said, I think he wrote, I win the first. I don't know exactly what happened. I, when he crashed the last lap, you know? Yeah. Uh, he did really well. He just said, I wasn't enough today. Hey, he was still in the championship. I wasn't good enough today. That's, that's balls. That, then you are a rider, you know what I mean? So you, and that's I'm, the problem with that's the problem with the youth. I will explain immediately. I have the whole story in my head now. MXGP class, the, uh, mm, the the competition is tremendous. It's unbelievable. But in the MX2 class, from 9th, let's say from 9th till 25th place, you are a fill-up rider, man. Yeah. You are just fill-up, man. You cannot be a star if you are finished uh, 10. And that is also the, uh, uh, because I think it's it now. That's also the problem I see with one of my riders with, with Haru. And then you have your colleagues from Gate. You know, I, I'm really, I'm really happy with, with all the news that comes from Motocross. Because more in the news we have, the better. Yeah. But of course, Andy from Gate Rap, you know, he's just, and it's, it's good he has this website. But then I see him do a podcast with him, and then I see GP star. But but do you know what is a, do you know what is a star? A star is Antonio Caroli, Tim Geiser, Hellings, Fabra. These guys are stars. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is not a star. Well, this is an interesting question. Do you think you're an MXGP star? No, of course not. I, I went four GPs in my life. How can you be a star then? I thought you were going to say that. And yeah you, yeah, you did a lot. You were a factory rider. You won four GPs. But if you don't think of yourself as a star, then no. how can someone who has no. never won a GP? No, the problem is that also, to, to come back to Mikkel, you know, he, um, he finished his first GP with us on Pulpus. 
then he finished on the podium. After that, he's never been a podium anymore. And to be honest, we are a, a professional team. If you have a team manager, team owner, who um, spent maybe 200,000 or 250,000 euro, euro on you with, with mechanics, trainers, bikes, and you don't finish top 10, then you have to go. Yep. This is very simple. It's really simple. You know, then, then you have to make room for other riders. And this is how it works. You can, you can make really nice and talk really nice, but in the end of the day, we are business. And if you have two years the chance to, to, if you come to the team and you say you go for the world championship, <clears throat> you ride one podium and maybe one top five and the rest we don't see you. You are not capable of being world champion in this life. So then you have to make room for other people. I think, um, like, oh, go on. like I said, again, like I said, Lewis, this Instagram makes them think they are superstars. And that is the biggest problem in my opinion on this moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you do an interview with me, and now let's say you need to, you need to paint a, uh, you are a painter and you need to paint a wall blue. Yeah. But you painted black. <laughs> and you say on Instagram, Oh man, I had to paint it blue, but I painted like, do you get hot? Oh man, next time better. <laughs> oh man, you get, get fired. You know what I mean? You're and this is the same story as a rider. You cannot put like two times top. Uh, I came away with points when you finish 18 and 17. My man, you are a factory rider. Come on. You're like Jed, and man, because Jed and, is very and, and, uh, down on himself. Sorry? You're like Jed then, because Jed is very real with himself, and like, he will sell it. Like, he told me at the end of this year that he had a shit year, so. <laughs> yeah, that's honest, though. I like honesty. You need to, and that's the, the, the main thing. Listen, if you look all the, to the top riders, look to Tony Caroli. Come from nothing. Geyser, he traveled all around Europe with a van in his dad with his dad. They come from nothing. And I think this is the base to be a top, top rider, you know? And if you get everything for free already from when you are young, then you cannot hurt yourself in the race, you know what I mean? You, yeah. They cannot hurt themselves. They cannot see black stars, we say in Holland. And, and that's the main problem. And then, yeah, they're happy with this result, but I'm not. Do you think, um, like you say, like um, it starts young when riders get stuff for free and then they believe they're a star and stuff like that. Do you think it's actually possible to find a rider now who is kind of like undercover as they're growing up? Because like you say, with Instagram and stuff, we all see amateurs a lot earlier now. Um, if someone's coming into EMX, we know they're coming because they're all over Instagram. So do you think it's even possible to find someone who hasn't had the right opportunities, hasn't been ever given stuff, and is like a talent that hasn't been discovered yet? It's really, it's really difficult because in the moment, uh, with money, uh, you can buy yourself into teams and stuff you know, already on a really young age. The economy you know, is not so good, and when you are a team owner and you have a ticket, you pay 100,000 euros for a place, for a talent who costs 50,000 euros, then they take the, the non-talent with 100,000 euros. And you cannot blame them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Going, um, 
Going back to Harrop, I think Harrop could have been, I think Harrop could have done a lot with your team. I, I believe that Harrop does have talent. I believe that he is very fast. And when he got on the podium at Matterley with you, I wasn't surprised. And I would have bet that there would have been a lot more than a lot more podiums than that. And maybe even the odd Moto win or even a GP win. Like, I believe that he could have done good things in his two years with you. And I'm guessing you did as well. That's why you signed him. Well, I believed in him because he came to the team because I recommended him. Because normally we only had Marcus and, and Rowan. And I said to the team guy, we need this guy, this is a big talent. So yes, he can ride a bike, 100%, he's good. But he also missed something, you know, because if you, uh, uh, so after the first winter training with us, we go on a pole in England and he almost, it was a few laps longer, he would win the race, yeah. I think, you know? So, and then the next GP, it was nothing already. And he injured himself, himself and, he never got in the top five again. And then we go for another winter, and 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 not to be cocky, but uh, if you look at all the riders we had, except Adam Sterry, but Adam Sterry was five times, he missed the podium on one point, or he was <laughs> in the points. For the rest, we put all riders we got on the podium, in BMX or, or GP. So, our program works? I think, yes. I think it works. And I don't know, you need to ask him what went wrong, but for sure you don't get the, 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 the truth answer because, you know, he, they, they cannot look in the mirror. You know what I mean? And you as a guy from the press, if, if you interview it's like, hey, you finished, yeah, I finished 14. And then you need to ask them, are you happy that as a factory rider? But you guys also don't ask them, otherwise they don't talk to you guys anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those guys cannot look into the mirror. And as long as they cannot look in the mirror to themselves, it will never be something. And I told him that five million times. Uh, and he doesn't do it. Okay. I hope for him in, in some other teams it works, but we see. Oh, so you, did, you do talk to the guys about this then? You do say like, hey, you're not as hours good as you think hours. you are. <laughs> hours and hours. <laughs> Is it I a hard conversation many- to have? No, it's it, not because I tried a few times and if you don't listen and if you just continue doing your own way, yeah, that's fine for me, you know, because before like time with, with before Paul Jonas, I really, I stay awake, awake from it, you know, I think why they don't listen to me, you know, that's the perfect example in front of them. But if I say to them, you need to do this corner like this and this, and when I turn my back and they don't do it anymore, Okay, it's not my problem, you know. I don't care. I don't sleep one one minute less anymore. Do you think um do you think Harrop had confidence issues because of all his injuries? Like obviously obviously injuries are always gonna knock your confidence, but do you think he particularly found it difficult to overcome like each setback? Well, but if you if you lose your confidence from a bo- broken collarbone, then uh, you better look for another sport. That's a that's you a fair I mean? that's a fair answer. That's a fair answer. Yeah, man, a broken collarbone. That thing. That's the less worst injury that you can have a motor. Yeah. Well, um. Also, okay. So Harrop isn't back next year. <laughs> I think no, that, no, 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 no. That's yeah. That's no, clear. I hope. I hope. <clears throat> the thing is, I hope I had a few big conversations with him, 
I hope maybe this winter he thinks back about it. He looks in the mirror and maybe he's back. As long as he don't do that, he will always be the same. And if you have a group of people around you who really put you in the air like they think you are the star of the star, man, it will never work ever. ever. I guess you need to stay on the floor. Some guys, some guys take a while to listen, don't they? Like I know, um, I know Conrad Muse, for instance. He's gone up to some old trainers and said, "Like, I real, I understand now. Like, I realise that I should have listened to you five years ago. Like, ne- like I've grown up. I've kind of understand more now, and I, I should have listened then. Like, I guess that's a problem with running an MX2 team. Some guys mature faster than others. Some realise things quicker than others, and some take a little bit of time. No, I, I had this. Um, the, this feeling I only had with uh, Paul Jonas, you know, I <laughs> I was one time with him in in Sardinia in um, 2017, and there was there were two jumps, but it was not a double jump, not at all. And I said to him, Paul, I think we can double this. <laughs> he said, You that? I I said, I think yes. I think you need to listen this. You jump it, and he out of his bike. But I made a joke. <laughs> But he wanted to do it, you know. He wanted to do what I said. And that you need. You know what I'm saying? But Roland van der Moestijk, I also have this on the track. It's it's super. With that beat. And I also have that. I hope I also have it with Kevin. Um, but this is just a few riders uh, in your life that you will find that, that, that listen like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... You want you want people to trust you, basically. Like you want people to go. You know what? You did a lot in your career. You would you definitely went through some ups and downs. If you tell me to do something, I trust you and I'll give it a go. That's basically what you need as a not just you. That's what any trainer needs. Because otherwise, why? What is the point? <laughs> no, it, it, it makes no point, and that's why I also <laughs> that's what I try to fight immediately. You know, you need to be uh, my friend. But not too much because with some guys I was too much friend and, and that hurts when you when you um, you need to find a belt. But they the, the one thing that's really important they need to respect you, and this is where it goes wrong. The problem is a little bit Lou, is that of course they they never saw me riding in the reels, you know, maybe yeah. on some videos or they look here up, but not, because but I can ride a bike, you know what I mean? And I've been in the, in the boat in the top doing everywhere. Um, I have a little bit of special gift that I, I can feel, I can feel whatever you feel on the bike, you know what I mean? I know every step of the way. <laughs> and if you trust me, the, the, uh, the result, uh, there is no uh, limit. You just, I can tell you that, but you need to trust each other. You just need to show all of these guys 2004 Lirop Nations and then 2007 <laughs> Lirop Moto2. Just have that, on re- have that on replay in the office and under the truck and then happy days. Yeah, but they are, I was a little bit wild also there, you know. <laughs> but they still, don't, they still don't believe, really believe, you know what I say. I, <laughs> Is that yeah. is that weird for you? Is that weird for you? Because like your career wasn't that long ago. Like it really wasn't. Like you raced for 2014 Nations, which really wasn't that long ago. So you're not yeah, you're true. not that that's far true. out. Is it weird for you that like these guys kind of don't remember your time at the top? No, but it's also uh, I don't name any riders at the moment because I don't wanna wanna 
them down or something. But then I talk about riders and I say, who, who is that? They're completely not interested in They don't know them. They only know themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but you need to look to other riders also, man. You know, and most thing is you need to stay on the floor, man. Stay on the floor. If you win a race or a multi, go on the podium, Monday, that race is gone. That is finished. You can celebrate on Sunday. Sunday is a new day. Sunday don't count anymore because the next race is coming. And on Instagram, I see these guys put still on Instagram from Friday. They win on Sunday, man. So stop with that. Then you also see guys who do that. They make a shit on Sunday because they're not there with their head. When you, um, when you were talking to Hawkmo before you signed him, like you were having the discussions, before he even agreed to the deal or you signed the deal or whatever, did you say to him, like, look, did you go through the Instagram discussion? Did you go through the you're not a star discussion? Like, did you make that clear to him before he even signed no. the deal that, look, I'm, I'm going to be your friend sometimes, but I'm also going to be real with you. So like, if you, if you want to get real, come to our team. But if you want to have fun and just piss about, then stay away. Yeah, but do, do you know, Lewis, motocross, being a GP rider is not fun. No. There is nothing funny, you know. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. And, 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 and today I, I had a conversation, I went to Epic and had a conversation with Kevin about this. It's quite uh, a lot of coincidence. That I, I talked about him today, about this. So, um, yeah, I told him what the deal was going to be and how it was that it's going to be really hard and I'm not going to be his friend many times but it's for a good cause and if he put his trust in me I said you might take whole shots this year and you're going to lead races for a few laps and you know the, the, the guy is the limit you'll see but you need to work really hard and we will work hard, work hard. You, you, um, you said that 9th to 25th in MX2 isn't really that good and it isn't a GP star. Uh, MX2, EMX250, GPs are really struggling for talent coming up at the moment. So if you were going to do free MX2 riders again, uh, like this year, you would have struggled, right? Like there isn't that many riders to sign for a 250 ride in GPs at the moment. It's really like we're hitting a dry patch of talent. No, 100%. If, no, I, I can name some names here, He's a, he's a good rider, but he's just too heavy. Yeah, you know he what needs I mean? to be 450. And, if, and if, if he's lose weight, he's too heavy. You know, and in EMX, it's okay to take part and, and to come from the back, but in EMX too, it's not possible. It's just not possible. And who else is in that class? Yeah, you know who was also really my eye on is Lapucci, but yeah, he's too old. But I like riding now, man. He's aggressive, he's good, he's He's a fucking asshole on the track. I like that. He's good, you know what I mean? But do you not and, think that uh, was because, do you think that was because he was basically in a class with kids? Like, he was too old for that class, really. Mm. Like, if you yes, put me maybe, in a class I, with a bunch of 13-year-olds, <laughs> then I'm going to slam some people. <laughs> I'm not going to take any shit. <laughs> uh, maybe you're right, you know, maybe you feel, you feel good to have older stuff, but I think, yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah, and then you have some other riders, so the Tundel and stuff, but they're not. Uh, Osika is also good, but not really consistent. It's so tough, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult. 
Yeah, I think that's why I think that's why it's a good thing that you've gone to one four fifty rider because like there's like you say, there's gonna be no shortage of four fifty talent for a while. So you're always gonna be able to have a good guy in that seat, which I guess like having a four fifty rider is good for you with sponsors, uh, with everything. Like that's I feel like it's a good business decision for the team. But also need to understand that having three riders in the same class is not a fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> you think that, but it's and and the the, the the thing I went wrong with a little bit is in my head, when I was running with Tony and Rappi, and, and Nern was also in our team, but it was more Tony and we were on every training, uh, 2004, 2005, yeah. and, and um, we ride each other, you know, I, Ben didn't mind if I was behind him on a hard track, I didn't mind if Ben was behind me on a sand track, and, and we worked together, but that didn't really happy, happen uh, this year, you know? Uh, they didn't really want to ride with each other. Yeah, two riders wanted, and then one not. And it's hard, you know, because then you get the, the dad, the mom, no, no mom, the manager, and everybody wants to say something. If you have three riders, you have, uh, let's say, three dads, you have three managers, that six people want to say something. It makes you completely crazy. Yeah, I guess that's when pe- people start going crazy because obviously you've got three 250 riders. They've all got the same parts. The team's got the same sponsors. Like, there's nothing different. But then all it takes is one guy who doesn't know anything to go, oh, his bike looks a little quicker than yours out the gate. And then oh, shit thank hits you, the fan. Thank you. Thank you. That, 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 this is also what happened, Louis. You know, we have two riders. We have Rowan and, and Matthias. I'm battling the first six, seven races, I think, for the red plate. Yeah. And then you, yeah, then you get that. Oh, this bike is maybe better. Or he, oh, this and that. And they all want to be on the front row. And then, yeah, things went completely the other way. And also, it was really shit, of course. Matthias, he injured his knee in, in Loquette in the free practice. He twisted his knee. And he had a small crack in his uh, medial um, uh, ligament on the inside of his knee. Yeah, Rowan break his scaphoid. And then you are reduced from three to one rider. And... And, and that rider also don't make the results that you that you that you want. Everybody's pushing. Yeah, then you get some meditations, you know. Yeah, how tough was this year? Because like this, okay, this wasn't a good year. You don't want you don't want the media to tell you that everything's great. This was not a good year for your team. <laughs> so how tough no, how tough also, was it? <laughs> no, but also last year we had eight or nine podiums, and I also said this was not a good year. <laughs> and this what this was disaster was this. You know, you have my team owner who pumps in maybe 1 million euro a year and then you get one podium and only a container full of shit over him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I still don't understand why he continues. Actually, he invests a lot of money again in, the, in a new truck. <laughs> so um, I have a lot of respect for, for Harry and uh, uh, Natalie and also the mechanics. They work really hard. The engine guy also got a lot of shit for him. And, uh, um, we we will prove it again <clears throat> that that our team is so bad as as look. I think we have a super team. We have some super guys around us, <laughs> and we will push hard again next year for for uh, yeah go to pop. I'll tell you what. Some I saw something that confused me the other day. I saw someone um, 
on social media, it was a fan, well, it was a fan or it was someone who said that no riders last longer than a couple of months at FNH because FNH go through riders quicker than anyone. And I read that and I was like thinking very hard. And I can't think of one time that's happened with your team. Like, Sterry was there for years, um, beaten a KB oh, but, and got but, injured. But, but, but like, but, but, you, you, you're dedicated no. to riders. No, I'm, you, you know, Henry just had one year in F2 left. We have Rowan for three years. We have Matis for two years. We have Mikko for two years. So I don't know what the fuck he talk about, you know? Yep, that's what I thought too. <laughs> but I just thought I'd throw it out there. We're clearing some things up here. So I just thought I'd see if yeah. you felt that way. Um, no, but these keyboard warriors make me very crazy, man. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, um, you mentioned Rowan as like in the same category as Paul's, as a guy who listens to you, a guy you had a special connection with. Um, how hard is it to lose him for next year? Is it like, do you feel yes, like you had yes. unfinished business with him? Absolutely. But you see, Rowan took almost red plate in us. Well, we had a mechanical failure there, you know, that that wasn't our fault in the end. Uh, you know, that, that can always happen. You see Geertje's drama also, also break. You see more things that, that, that I don't see that, that breaks in other teams also, but we just had bad luck there. <laughs> And then he break a scaffold, so yeah, you know, I, I the first year Rowan came, we went European champion with him as a, as a team, and then the year after he did really good uh, in MX2, and I, I really thought he was pro for the championship this year. But then he break is also scaffold, and uh, I was big, big, big. How uh, you say that disappointment? Yeah. What was the biggest um? Like, what was the biggest gain you made with Rowan? over the three years that you worked together? Like, what was the biggest obstacle that you overcame with him? Um, whether it's something technique-wise, mentally, like, what was the biggest problem with Rowan that you fixed together? Um, yeah, I think Rowan can, can ride a bike, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Rowan can do time practice, uh, we all know that, but of course, you know, I, uh, Rowan, it's, it's a little bit on the mental side, and I really wanted to work a little bit more with him but uh, he, he had an offer from Husky. He took that deal, you know, that happened twice. Uh, I already said also, <laughs> when we started, you no, know, in one one day, our waste was full again. And this will happen, this will happen with Kevin, this will happen with Jet. Jet, nothing is forever, you know? Yeah. I will leave FNH one day, sure, if they stop, or I don't know. Nothing is forever. So, also this not. Um, when you talk about your career, you always talk about the 2008 Martin Honda as being the best bike that you had, the bike you dream about, that sort of stuff. What yeah. was the best team atmosphere you had? Because I'm guessing that's something you try and put into FNH. Like you said, when you were on KTM with Tyler and Ben, you would ride together, you would push each other. You hoped that would happen with the three guys this year. What was the best um, team atmosphere that you try and copy with your riders now, the team now, what like, what do you look at as the best example of a good, happy team environment? Um, you know, you you need. Um, it's it's really important for me also to have fun. You know, on the track, I'm a, I can be a really big asshole, but outside the track, you know, you you also need fun. It's a combination, and we also had it in Champ KTM. But yeah, that was almost a full Dutch team, so it was all with uh, there was team all weekend yeah <laughs> but 
Also this year, you know, we uh, I opted for no Dutch riders. I uh, that sounds a little bit strange that that I needed a break also from Dutch the, the Dutch people. You know, they're really loud and. <laughs> Um, no, but the thing is also they all think they have to say something and they all think they know something about motocross and of course you have that in maybe in every country but those people make me really, really tired and um, uh, Jet, he is from Australia he comes only for motocross um, I think for Kevin it's his last uh, uh, his last option to yeah. do to really good uh, so I hope that works, you know what I mean? And, 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 and everybody shut up and we just do our job and we go for the best. Well, that sounds like a dream. Obviously, when you worked with Pauls and took him to the world title, that was a big deal. Like Everyone realized just how good a trainer you are at that point. Do you feel like you've improved a lot as a trainer since then? Like when you look back on your year with Pauls now, do you look back and go, wow, I, I made a few mistakes there. Maybe I should have done that differently with him. Like, do you feel like you've come along as a trainer since then? No, but, but, but listen, Pauls, you know why it went so well? Because Pauls, I, he, he made me only, I only had to do my work on the track with him. Pauls had his food ready. I never had to say Pauls go running. Never have to say to Pauls, man, go to bed in time. Pauls did everything by the book. Everything. So I had nothing to worry about. We just go to the track together. He had his food ready. Six roll of goggles. Six pair of goggles. Four with him. Five boots. No, that, that's not much. You know, three sets of boots. Two helmets. If it was wet, it didn't matter. Pauls was prepared. Oh, and that was working so good. No? If you have blisters on Wednesday and we go right on Thursday, oh, yeah, I don't have tape with me. Fucking hell, man. Then I, I really want to punch you in your face. You know what I mean? I think. I've... And you are also, you, you, so it's also okay to punch you in the face. Then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Jesus, man. I get angry from it already now. So you, that's basically, you and, just, you're just trying to find that sweet spot with a rider again. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But it makes life so much easier when, 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 the, when the rider has the same goals as you, you know, if you want to win. But you, you, if you want to win, you need five sets of goggles with you, roll off, five sets of tear-offs. You need everything prepared. You need a vest when it's cold. You need warm clothing. Everything you need to be pre prepared for, you know what I mean? It's so important. But that's the whole problem with, with those guys nowadays. They have nothing prepared, you know what I mean? And that's the whole problem. And as much as I love guys, this is this is the biggest problem because I need I I I get really mad about it, you know, like um um when you go to a track and, and, and you know the next it's five degrees, yeah, you make sure you have warm gloves with you. You know, you make sure you have a vest with you, but you don't sit there, I'm cold, I'm cold. Man, then I just want to punch you, you know. Be prepared. If you, um, 
If you could have a choice, would you rather work with a young MX2 rider who is maybe going to make these mistakes and care about Instagram and maybe be a bit dumb with some things? Or would you rather work with someone like Jed who's done a few years now, he understands the game, he knows how things work, and he maybe doesn't need as much babysitting? Like, what would, like, no, I, I, what's I the best project for you? There's another problem in that also. Jet uh, is, is uh, four years old now, five years older now than he was when I saw him. Four years, I don't know exactly. Yeah. Um, so we also uh, have his own thing, you know what I mean? But if he can uh, give himself to me, it's his first year on 450. I had my best of this on the 450, you know, 450, really my bike. And you also need somebody who can develop and have experience that I can think and have really nice results with him. But if he says next year, uh, yeah, but I know everything myself, then you go into the same thing. But that's why we also picked that because I believe he's not like that because I know him, you know, and, and you really want to, you want to learn and, and you want to do good, you know, you want to be, you want to be in the mix. I you know, I think he can because people for sure people laugh about that, but people laugh more about us. But yeah, they're laughing also and, and uh, I have my own things, Kevin and yet and I also do look the when when people switch to things, you know, oh man, it's always the best and it's always the always the same story, you know what I mean? I don't care man, how you look. Just give us and listen. That's important. Have we missed anything that pisses you off about riders at the moment? Have we, I feel like we've covered everything that pisses you off about riders, but is there anything we've missed? <laughs> no, I, I would like I would like to make a comment about the social media thing. You know, you have this, um, how important it is not even to be a top rider. You know, you have that, uh, I saw him, uh, I don't even follow him, but it's that, uh, that star racing kid, what's yeah. his name? Well, Deegan. Yes. So this kid, um, I really want to see this kid four o'clock Friday afternoon in Lommel. <clears throat> you know what I mean? You yeah. know what I'm going to say or not? Yeah. Okay. Because this kid is, he had one million followers, I see today. And he's scrubbing and he's doing crazy things. And he has a really good marketing guy, I think. And you know what I mean? And that's why also this kid is, 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 is a superstar. But I think if you put him in Lomo four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, I think you have a left movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, but this is serious. And, and also the thing I want to get is with this USA Europe thing. And also gay drop goes really crazy about this. They don't care about motocross guys because they make millions with supercross. If you put our top six, seven guys into USA Outdoor, yeah, the rest of the American guys, they go from, they go for place eight till the rest. Yeah. Because we, we, we smoke there in outdoor. Yeah. But you go for Supercross and you put our top six guys there and they go for place 10 to 16. Yeah. And those guys make millions with Supercross. They don't care about motocross. They don't care about nations. People need to stop. You know what I mean? It is, it is the stupidest thing, isn't it? Like that, 
whenever I see someone try and do the whole USA versus GP fight, because it gets clicks, it gets attention. I'm just like, oh my oh. God, like, can we stop? Like, this is so old news. They're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing. And guess what? GPs are amazing too. Like, they're all amazing riders. Yeah. That's, it's great. Like, there doesn't have to be one good person. No, but I, I want to tell you one thing. One king in this is, of course, Michael. He went on European. He went on European tracks. He came here just in NA, the most difficult the most difficult European tracks you have, you can have. He wins, smoke everybody. He smoke everybody in supercross. He smoke everybody in outdoor. This is one top. I mean, this is the king. This is the king. And also going back to what you said, he would finish second and he would cry because second is not acceptable in his book. And that's why he's so. That's, oh, man. that's exactly what you were saying. That's also in the bar to bar, you know. <clears throat> when I see him, when he loses your his. Face is his eyes are, are spitting fire when the next race he wins again. But Ricky Carmichael is a complete different guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, you also, might struggle to find someone like him. Yes. <laughs> and and you know, if I also I think about it today, Lewis, you know, the history of motocross has been made in, in, in a few European motocross in yes, have been made in a few decisions, you know, like Chad Reed in two thousand and one. He won the last GP Europe. Yeah. And then he went to USA. Um, do you think Stephen Evans was happy that he went to USA? Yes. You know what I mean? Because was, would he be 10-time world champion? I don't think so with no. Jet If you have Ken Roxon, he beat Hellings in Lommel. I think um, Hellings popped some bottles of champagne when Roxon went to USA, you know? Yeah. And this is this is what made the, the, the history also in the motocross and the USA um, um, Europe thing they need to stop they always take Filipoto yeah Filipoto he fucked up but if you have Filipoto if he took it serious and if he came here in, in November uh, December January February he stayed here for four months when I and I really would like to see him in GP. Yeah. Came over the times. Yeah. That's the preparation, man. And then he still won a GP. You know what I mean? Yeah, Villapoto was on holiday. <laughs> yeah, he was that's on the like, I mean. if it, like if you if you know anything about motocross, you could have looked at Villapoto and gone, okay, that's not the same guy. It was obvious. No. Yes. Yes. But then people who want to yes. play the USA GP game go, oh, oh, he didn't win. He didn't win. GPs, GPs. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> like, honestly. I, okay, you want to punch people in the face. I want to punch those people in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but they, he was here, I think, one or two weeks in the whole winter. He was on holiday. Who can blame him? What a great holiday. What a great way to end your career. <laughs> yeah, but if this guy stayed here for four months, I really wanted to see him, you know, what happens. That's, it's a completely different story. And, and, and people need to, re- like I say again, they make millions of euro in the Supercross. They don't care at all about motor guys. Stop with and Stop. Before, um, before we stop, uh, quickly, your thoughts on MXGP this year. Obviously, very exciting. Um, Hurlings, I think this is, this is what I think, and you can tell me whether you agree. Hurlings was the best mm-hmm. rider. He was the fastest rider. The right person won. Um, Fevra was really good. I don't think Fevra had one weakness. I think Fevra was very good everywhere. Starts, consistency, speed. 
He was just a little tiny bit off, which is why he didn't win more GPs. And I think Geyser played it too safe. I think Geyser was playing the consistent card too much. And because that has worked for him the last two years, and I think it didn't work this time. Um, what did you think watching the MXGP class this year and each individual guy? Well, let me, let me first tell you what a GP star means. Again, okay. You have, Anto- you have Antonio Caroli in Sardinia. He didn't feel his hands and his arms, if I'm right. Yeah. Crash. One week later, he wins the qualifying motor of the, in the nation on a dry track, like a, a, a practice. Yeah. Yeah. You have Jeffrey Harris who breaks his shoulder blade, um, becomes world champion. You have Tim Geiser who breaks his collarbone. Take surgery two days or three days after he rides a GP, he finished eight. Look at Roman Ferber. These guys are GP left. You know what I mean? They can say that from themselves, but they don't say, you know what I mean? They ground. People are down to earth, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yes, okay, I think uh, if you look, uh, Helen, she had, uh, he had this uh, injury, the shoulder blade, the shoulder blade. Um, he had tremendous pressure in the last moto. Why is that? Because in the MX2 class, a Japanese bike, Yamaha uh, went world champion. Well, you know, everybody knows how important uh, uh, a win is. Uh, a, GP, uh, a world championship is for KTM, for the KTM group, let's say. Yeah. So that was a tremendous uh, uh, pressure on his shoulder. He, he, he win it. And, uh, yeah, Geiser, I really thought Geiser was going to kick ass in, um, in, in Trentino, you know, but he, he was defending there some motos, but also he won. It, it was a very strange year, man. Strange year. I, um, I'd quite like to hear your thoughts on this as well, actually. Uh, Prado gets a lot of, um, a lot of riders aren't happy with Prado. They aren't happy with the way he races. They think he defends too much. Um, Fevra called him an asshole after the final round at Mantova. I think Prado is just a very smart rider. He doesn't look, it's not like he's looking behind and swerving around the track and playing dirty like some of, like Alessi or guys like that. But, and I think, yeah, I think he is just a very smart rider and he, hey, he gets good starts. So it's his right to do what he wants. And if you like, that's his skill, and if you can't beat him with that skill, then you need to figure it out. Or do you see it a different but, way? But how old is uh, Jorge? 1920. 20 now, I think. Yeah, you know, this is, <laughs> this is still a kid, eh? Yeah. You know, he's 20 years old. He rides already two years in the, in the big class. And, you know, this crash in Germany, uh, you know, on the, ta- on the table, on, on the finish jump bit, um, with headlings. But what my vision in this is that he didn't know that uh, headlings was this close to him, you know? Yeah. And he was just jumping to the exit of the track. That's what I really think. But I think he never thought that headlings was this behind him and fight it together. And of course, he had a lot of, uh, a lot of shit over him. But as a rider, no. You would never do something like this on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you know, he got this injured himself also. So that's my opinion about it. And as he takes a start, he's offensive. Um, 
he's 20 years old, but as, uh, as soon as he figured it out and he's a little bit more fit and he takes whole shot, hmm, I think it's really difficult to stay with him. You know what I mean? If he matured a little bit. Yeah, that's what I, I've said it to a few people. If he didn't, if he didn't crash in Germany over the finish jump, I think he might have been world champion this year because the first moto in Germany, he rode so good that if he'd kept that ball rolling with his starts as well, and we went to tracks like La Capelle where it was impossible to pass, I feel like he might have actually won this championship. Maybe. Hurlings was unstoppable, but maybe. Well, I didn't go that far to the points, uh, Lewis, but... Uh... <laughs> You know what I just see from him? He, he, he gets a little bit better at the GP, you know? And, uh, or at the GP. If he gets the start like he, he, he end of the year, and he stays he's a little bit more fit, and he's out of the sea, I think it's difficult. You get like a little bit like an X2, uh, what he did in MX2, you know? Yeah. So, yes, I think that. So, uh, last question. We'll end on this. Beaton and Horgmo, uh, it's early days. What would make you happy next year? Obviously, for Beaton to get on the podium is going to be really tough in MXGP. Deep class. Um, and the same for Horgmo in MX2. Obviously, he's coming up. He's got a lot to learn. Um, he's got a lot of progress to make in a short amount of time. What would make you happy results-wise with both guys? No, but let me also be clear with this. You know, we are not a team um, to, to learn or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. We are nothing. We are not a school. You know, we are a professional team, and we expect and we have all the things, uh, all the possible. Uh, uh, how do you say that? Uh, we have everything for you to to, to reach. Uh, of course, I'm not going to say Jeff is going to be world champion this year, <laughs> but expect him uh, on the podium. Yes, and also Kevin. And why I say is because, like, like you say, we are not a school. Also, like, because one time I heard Harub say in an interview with you, I am learning the tracks. <laughs> uh, well, you can learn tracks, but not in our team. Man, you cannot learn tracks when you are 20 years old and, and you say you're going to be world champion learning the tracks, man. So, and that's what I'm telling you. You need to look yourself in the mirror. But if you're too slow, just say you are too slow. You're not learning tracks, man. Come on, you're 20 years old. Stop. Uh, like I said, also now we are not. Uh, Kevin has two months to learn his bike, and then the race starts, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's very simple. You know what I mean? And we're gonna do work our answers off for him, and also for Jet for the 450 to get dialed in as quick as possible. So I really hope they they postpone the the, the season. That would be a lot of help for us. <laughs> if not, we are there. You know. I think that's a um. I think that's a perfect place to end. Um, any, any, we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a podcast about your career another time, for sure. And yeah. um, that's going to be a lot of parts. Um, we'll probably, let's do it around the time that your book comes out, because in English, because that'll be a nice tie-in. Um, but yes. anything, anything on your mind before we say goodbye to the people? <laughs> I think this is, is, this is going to be a good podcast for you, man. You set, you set the thing straight, you feel like? <laughs> Yes, okay. I'm good. I feel I've, I've sleep tonight. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you to Mark Deruva for do, being very, uh, <laughs> very open and honest with us today. Um, thank you to Liat. Thank you to Prox Racing Parts for supporting the podcast. You'll see the FNH riders in Liat gear next year, and you'll see the KX450 and the KX250 using Prox Racing Parts because why would they choose anything else? Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. 
We'll be back with another podcast in a not-so-distant future. Uh, but until then, I'm Lewis Phillips, your host. Thanks for listening.